0: Log Talk Radio. Well, good evening everybody. This is Pastor Ted Payton Grace through Faith Worship Center with you today for our Bible study. Let us pray as we get started. Father, we just thank you for another day. Lord, we just bless you because you are a good God. Lord, as we come into your word today, we ask you to just open our ears and anoint our eyes to see and hear what it is that you would have for us to see as we study your word. And we bless you, Lord, for everything that you're doing in our lives, through us and for us, Lord, even as you continue to reveal yourself unto us on our daily basis. So, Father, as we go forth, we just bless you and honor you in every way and everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Again, I uh, want to start a. I don't know how long I'll do. This. I don't know if I'll call it a series, or just a study here and there, or whatever. But um, I've been looking at the Book of Job in the Bible in the Old Testament, and I've been kind of curious about it lately. And I'm not sure I know even enough about it to even really consider starting Bible study, but. Um, we're going to take a stab at it anyway. We're going to maybe kind of like do an overview and just talk about some lessons that may be learned from the book of Job. But uh, I just think it's interesting. So I've gone through it and I've listened to it. I'm looking at some in the Living Translation, some in the King James, and reviewing the notes and just kind of like opening up my heart to see what lessons that can be learned from the book of Job. Uh, and even from the beginning, the book of Job is one that we hear quoted sometime, and uh, one of the main scriptures that, or one of the main times that is that you may hear Job being quoted is when someone is at a loss, and they say, "The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away." Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we hear that. And sometimes I'm not sure if it's in the right context or not. Because when you look at Scripture and you look at the nature of God, when you talk about the nature of God, who is a loving God, a God that loves us, he gives, he's a God that gives, and he's not a God that takes away. So how does that fit in with the character of God, hearing uh, these Scriptures and going from there? Now, let's just go through a few, um, um, uh, I guess, um, bullet points about The book of Job. Of course, now, this is a book talking about a man who in Scripture was referenced as an upright man. Okay? Job, he was wealthy and he was considered an upright man. You know, this is in the book of Job, um, it's described as a test, as Job being tested. And of course, this covers chapters 1 through. Uh, chapters 2, about the 13th verse, but it talks about Job and his laws. It talks about a conversation that takes place in heaven, and it talks about Lucifer going to and fro, just checking out things on the earth. In other words, one thing that I'm hearing when you see the conversation that took place between God and, and, and Satan was the fact that Satan said, I'm going to and for over the earth from corner to corner. I'm taking a look at what's going on. I'm checking out the scenes. And this is what Satan himself said to God as they're having a conversation. And this is how the name of Job came up because God said, Well, have you considered my servant Job? So, Job, being a wealthy and upright man, he lost all of his possessions, he lost his children, and his health. Now, when you're talking about losing something, it's one thing to lose your possession, that stuff that you own, that stuff. And then you lose your children, that's your family. And then after all that, you begin to lose your health. Not only that, Job was not aware of, now we are aware of it, because the fact that we are reading the text and we are reading the story, we are reading the doc, <coughs> excuse me, We're reading the documentation as to what took place, but all of this took place, and Job did not understand why he was suffering. Why does God allow his children to suffer? Although there is an explanation, we may not know it while we are here on earth, In the meantime, we must always be ready for testing in our lives. So sometimes when things happen, we begin to question it. Now, in looking at Job, it appears to me, and of course I'm still learning about this, so it appears to me that this was almost like a contest. It's almost like a setup. Now, God is the one that said Job was his upright man. God said that about Job. God said that about Job, and that's what the words is. God himself made that Job was a righteous man, and it's almost like it's almost like a bet between two people. Well, you know what God Satan's Satan telling the Lord, you know what um the only reason Job is serving you because he's got all that stuff life is good, he's got money, he's wealthy, he's got a nice family, his health is good. It means, you know, come on, God, if everything is going that well for anybody, sure, they're going to serve you. But you take it away from him, he'll curse you to your face. Now, this is what the devil told God. You take away that stuff, you strip him of it, and when everything is stripped away, we are going to see what happens. And I say him. he'll curse you to your face. And what we see is as we begin to read in the first chapter of Job, you know, it says that there was, a, this is a king, this is the living translation, it Says there was a man named Job who lived in the land of us. He was blameless, he was complete, he was a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from the evil, he had seven sons and three daughters, he owned 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels, 5,000 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and he employed many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. And not only that, he was a righteous and upright man. He had children, and Job was such a righteous man that even when his children would come together on an annual basis, and they would throw this big party, his sons would throw this big party, and his sons would invite their sister to the party, and they would party and just have a glorious good time and drinking and whatever they are doing. And Job was such a righteous man that he would even go up early in the morning and he would give sacrifice for each one of his children because just in case they sinned before God, he wanted to be covered. So that's what Job would do. This is the kind of character that Job had. This was the kind of character that he had. Now, we talk about being righteous and upright and people of character. Um, we love God as long as we're having stuff. But then again, when you look at today and you look at this society today, people that really have a lot of stuff, I'm not sure they even love God when you compare these two stories or compare the situation because there are some people they have so much there even people that's not wealthy, wealthy, but people in America just up middle class or just middle class people, they have pretty much everything they need. They have health, they have resources, they relatively the healthy resources and have a little money in the bank, and, you know, life is good. They're not suffering for anything. They're not missing any, move, any meals or anything like that. So who needs God? But in this instance, this righteous and upright man, he loved God, and he was full of integrity, and he worshipped God. He was concerned not only about his relationship with God, but he was concerned about his family's relationship with God. So that he would make the sacrifice and do those things that would cover them in event that they just may possibly have done something to offend God or sin against God. And then as the story goes, one day the angel came. Well, in verse 6, look at verse 6. It says, one day the angel came to present themselves before God, the angels. Now, when we talk about angels, I think you have different kinds. You have good angels and you have bad angels. Came before God to present themselves to the Lord, and Satan, the accuser, came with them. And that's where the story went down and and where Satan began to tell God about, okay, this man will curse you to your face as soon as you take some things from him. So it goes and God says, Well, okay, well let let's see what happens. So what happens is the first test now, the thing first thing that happened was all of a sudden one of Job's servants came to him and uh, began to tell him about things that he began to lose, about his cattle being, and then eventually another one came to him and told him about some things being lost, and then eventually uh, things began to fall apart. In other words, Joe pretty much lost everything. One servant after another servant came. While one was still speaking, another one would come and around and said, Your sons, the last one came and said, Your sons and daughters. They've all been killed. They were feasting at the brothers' house, and suddenly a powerful wind came through and collapsed on them, and they are gone. And the Bible says that Job stood up and tore ripped his clothes, and then he uh, shaved his head and fell on the ground before God. And quoting Job, he says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be stripped of everything when I die. The Lord gave me everything I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Now this is the scripture that I was talking about that so many times we hear Quoted. And let me read it in the King James, because that's the one that we mostly quote. So this would be Job, the first chapter, and I believe it is the 21st verse. So let me go to the King James and read that. Job 1 and 20 Let's go there and read that. This scripture you hear a lot, and so I just want to read it verbatim. First chapter and 21st verse, and it says this, uh, and and 20 verse. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now, this is a quote from Job. This is what Job said. Job made the statement that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Now, God didn't say that. This is what Job said. Now, so many times people use it to explain away. Because now, let me let me say this about conditions that we have, and so many times we want to be able to explain everything. We want to be able to explain something when people are going through. We want to be able to say why it's happening. We want to have an answer for people. When people lose loved ones, we want to have an answer for it. And sometimes we just don't have answers for things now. And the reason why I say that is because here when things began to happen to Job, Job didn't know why this was going on. And just like we are today, I believe that as Job began, and you listen to the conversation that he had with himself, as he began to talk and began to say things, uh, when you're in the middle of a storm and you have no idea what's going on, all you know is that you had a relationship with God. And your relationship with God was that of righteousness, that is holy. You can't think of anything that you've done, and you say, "Lord, whatever I've done, you know, just you know, forgive me, Lord. Just you know, whatever there is, I need you to take it away, Lord." And things continue to happen. And even along the way, when Job began to have conversation with some of his friends and his wife, and they would say, "Well, Job, maybe you've done something." Maybe you've done something. Now, I think that when you do something to offend God, I think that you will probably know that you did. People that are sinners that does not come to the Lord are people that don't know the Lord. Uh, We, as people of God or as Christians, don't have to really remind them that they are sinners because people that live a sinful life, even though they may be good people of good moral character, they still know that something in them let them know that they are not Christian. They don't know God. So there's still something missing. So a sinner is a sinner, and a sinner knows that he's a sinner. And no one has to tell a sinner that they are a sinner. They just know it because God made us that way. Because without God, that main ingredient is missing and we just know that it doesn't matter how much we have, what we own, whatever it is, however prosperous we are, all the materialistic things, families, and all the stuff that we have and without God, there is still something that's missing. Because see, you can get accustomed to living in a poor condition, you can get accustomed to that. I mean, you can your mindset can adjust to poverty, and you can cope with it. You just have lack, and you just get accustomed to just not having. You can become accustomed to it. And just the lack and you can become accustomed to having great wealth and abundance. You can become spoiled to it. You can become used to it. You can become to the place where it's just something that you expect, it's something that you expect, it's just something that you are. So you can become accustomed to it. And once we get a new toy or something new, after a while the novelty wears off and then we are right back to where we started. And that's where we have the issue of, oh, there's something in my life that's missing. I don't know what it is, but it's just something that's missing. And that thing that's missing is the relationship with with God, our maker. Now, Job was a righteous man. And when he's going through all, everything has been taken from him. Everything is falling down around him and losing everything. And then after all of that, his health began to fail. the enemy began to attack his health. And Job had no answers for that. So what he said was, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Uh, When you don't know, you just don't know. So he just began to say things. But in going through and reading through the book of Job and looking through, I don't see where... God co-signed on that statement that Job made, and the Lord has taken away. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't see anywhere where you go through the book of Job where God co-signed on that statement. So Job just didn't know. So sometimes when we want to know things. We just began to brainstorm. We just began to kind of throw this out there, throw it, trying to find an explanation. And unbeknowing to Job, the explanation was, "Hey man, this has been a setup. This is this is a showdown between God and Satan. Your maker, your creator, is proving to Satan that you are who you say you are." You are who he say you are. And of all the things that would happen to you, Job, I have told Satan that he won't buckle. And guess what? He didn't. Job didn't. Even not understanding what was happening to him and the reason why it was happening, Job blindly said that, I'm not backing down. As a matter of fact, when Job's friend, he had his three friends that came to him, said, man, look, why don't you, his wife first of all said, why don't you just cuss God, curse God and die? And Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. And later his friends come to you and say, man, maybe you did something you don't know about, maybe this, maybe that. And Job said, man, look, I have checked up and down. I have, I have done an inventory of my life. Job held fast to his confession. He confessed to be a righteous man, and he held to it. Even, again, not knowing the circumstances by which this setup has taken place. Now, when you talk about going through, and you talk about, well, you know, The Bible is clear now, you know, know, things of us are different now because, see, Job was a man that knew God. He was a righteous man. But, see, Job did not have the benefit of the Holy Spirit dwelling in him like we do. See, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God. We have the very nature of God that lives on the inside of us. Job was a righteous man, but he did not have the benefit of the holy God living on the inside of him. He didn't have the benefit of the born-again experience. That's an advantage that we have that he didn't have. And even at that, Job did not back down. He did not curse God. He said some things, but he didn't blame God for being mean to him or anything like that. So Job began to babble. I guess he began to just say some things like, you know, like somebody that's really sick and fever, and they began to run a fever, and then their mind just began to wander, and they just began to talk out of their head. I can imagine this probably where Job was. He just began to say stuff. Man, I don't understand this. For the life of me, I don't understand while I'm going through this. God, what is it? What is it? Asking questions and not hearing anything. And not hearing anything. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that the children of Israel come to the end of Malachi, where the Bible says that, and the Lord was silent for 400 years. What is that, 10 generations? Nothing from God. God's just silent. 400 years? That means for 10 generations, people did not hear from God? Now, just imagine going through all of this and you are accustomed to Talking to the Lord and having your relationship with Him. Having a friend, and when things go bad, when you really need them, you can't find them. You don't know where they are. But you're talking about confidence in God and His relationship, confidence. Of all the things that Job went through, he held fast to His conversation, His confession. He held fast to when they're talking about the suffering. And then there are questions. So now, what question would we have about a situation like that? And one of the questions would be now, I believe that according to the word, the way I understand the word, all sickness and disease come from Satan, all of it. Because in John 10.10 10 it says, Jesus says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy That's Satan's job, to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's his job. That's his purpose. His destiny has already been determined. And that's his job, to go to and forth in the earth, to steal, kill, and to destroy. What he's doing is he's doing the same thing that he did during the times of Job. He's going to and forth all over the earth to Find out what's going on, and then when he decides to intervene in something, when he decides to attack someone for whatever reason, his job is to steal, kill, and to destroy. How do you steal from someone? How do you steal from someone? First way you steal from someone is keeping them ignorant about who they are. You steal from someone by keeping them ignorant about who they are, about who God is. You keep information away from them. You keep knowledge away from them, knowledge about who they are, about who God is. And when you keep knowledge away from them, then they will develop their own ideas about what knowledge is is, about who God is, about what God does, and about everything in life. In other words, they become philosophers. They have all of these humanistic points of view about what life is all about. So when sickness and disease come, they come up with some ideas, just a few of them that they would come up with as well. You know, God is doing this to you to teach you something, just like he did Job. He made Job sick and took things from him to teach. Well, what was the lesson he was teaching Job? He was not teaching Job a lesson. So we can't use that excuse, even though there are ones that would profess that. He was not Teaching Job anything. He was demonstrating to Satan that Job was an upright man and that Job would not buckle under whatever he brought to him. He says, You can do anything to Job, just don't lay your hands on him. And the Bible tells us that in James 7 and 4, 4 7, it says, Submit, therefore, yourself unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. So that means that now that we are in this dispensation that we are in with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, that what we need to do is to submit, therefore, ourselves unto God. In other words, submit to God. Study the word to show yourself approved. And those things that you come in contact with, those things that you know to do, do the word that you know to do. Submit yourself unto God and resist Satan. Who is Satan? Satan is anything antichrist, anything that comes against who God is and his word. Anything coming your way that doesn't line up with who God is and what his word says. So you resist the devil and God says he shall flee. It didn't say he might. It didn't say he would think about it. It says resist the devil and he has to go. That means when a cold comes, you resist it, it has to leave. When sickness comes, you resist it and it has to leave. Part of resisting may require that you go to the preacher or the church, talk about actual prayer. It may mean that you might need to do some things to strengthen your own faith or get rid of some unbelief in your own life. It may mean that you have to fast and pray to kind of build yourself up. But resist means that whatever it takes to push back on what Satan is bringing your way, resist it and God says that he has to flee. He will leave. Well, how long does that take? Well, I don't know. However long it take you to resist? His job is to steal, kill, and to destroy. But our job is to resist and see him flee. So their Job was, you know, going through all of this, not knowing what's going on. But today we have a better covenant. We have a better covenant with God. Because, see, we have salvation. And, see, salvation is not just missing hell and making heaven, even though that's what most circles teach. That's what most people teach you. Well, you need to get born again, born again. Born again, yes, but what does that mean? Again, steal, kill, and destroy. Stealing, Satan wants to steal the knowledge of the fact that when you get born again, what happens when that takes place? Satan don't mind us going to church. He don't mind us doing religious things. He mind us becoming aware of and knowledge about who we really are. Satan has a real problem with that. Because see, when you become knowledgeable about who you are and you know the word and you get the word in you and 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 you begin to operate in the word, and you begin to do the word, and you begin to walk out the word, and you begin to allow the word to change your heart. When you begin to do that, then you become dangerous to his kingdom. Why? Because you have know that you have the power and authority over him. You know, we have power and authority over the devil. There's no more war going on. We are coming back from victory. We're not going to war. We are returning from victory. Jesus said it is finished. The fight is over. And the fight has been over for over 2,000 years. The fight has been over. All we should be doing now is collecting the spoils, Taking back everything that Satan has taken from you. When you become born again, everything that Satan stole from you, you should be, or you are in the position to take it back. Why? Because now he's under your feet. You have authority over him. You can resist him. He has to go. And when he takes from you, you can command the blessings of God. You can command the fact that when he steals from you, he owes you seven times over what he took. Give it back plus interest. That's the word of the Lord. So Job continued and continued, and he said all of this stuff that he said. When you read through a here all his friends had to say. Friends had to say. His wife had to say, read all they had to say, Job held fast to his confession. And in the end, in the end, God restored back to Job all the things that Satan had taken from him. All the things that he had taken from him. So God restored his family, his wealth, and his health. His family, his wealth, and his health. God restored it. And the Bible says that Job lived, I think he was somewhere in the neighborhood of 140 years old or something like that. he got to see his children and grandchildren and probably even great-grandchildren, I would imagine. But Job lived. He lived way beyond the time. And he lived. After this lived Job an hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons' sons even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Old and full of days. So we're going to stop here. It's a fascinating read, and it's something that, you know, I've probably been long overdue to really go and really look into it and study it. I'm going to continue studying. We're going to maybe talk about it again next week. But it's a, it's a fascinating read, fascinating story about God and his relationship with Job and Job's response. It's fascinating. And all the lessons that can be gleaned from it are many. And the Bible says that the word was written for our knowledge and understanding and for us to learn from it. And we can learn a lot from Job. Just worship God, love God, love God. But now we can also learn that we have some tools in our arsenal that Job did not have. So really we are better off, much better off than Job was. Because he didn't have what we have. Father, we thank you for your word, and we just bless you. This is Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center, saying, "Good evening, everybody, and look for us on Sundays at 9:30 a.m. Rock? Uh, not, no, not Rock. at our old location. 9:30 uh, a.m. at um, Duval Village Shopping Center, 4857 Glendale Road." 4857 Glendale Road in the shopping center there storefront. We are there at 930 on Sundays. And look, we look forward to uh, worshiping with you and having you come and just be a part of what God is doing. He's an awesome God. He's blessing. He's moving. Signs and wonders and miracles are flowing. And we're just enjoying our relationship with the Lord as he continues to grow us up. And I'm just saying that God is a good God all the time. Until next time, this is Pastor Ted Payton saying good evening, everybody. Bye now.